Anytime we put an opinion, a thought, anything out in the world, we are opening ourselves up to people's thoughts, people's judgments, people's reactions. Often, when you have a perspective but you don't share it, it's a self-trust issue. It's an issue of trusting your judgment. You are in your job because you have such powerful capabilities that go so far beyond just being a teacher's pet and executing, but you might not see that in yourself and you might not see yourself as a leader. Welcome to the Art of Speaking Up a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm the host of this show. My name is Jessica. I also go by Jess. I used to have a very successful career in the corporate space. And about two years ago, I left that career and became a full-time podcaster and career coach for women in the corporate space. And this show and my coaching work and everything I do is designed to help women thrive and advance in their careers. And I tend to cover topics around confidence, finding your voice, and really being a very powerful, effective presence in the meeting room. I also talk a lot about growth and leadership and promotions because I really want to support women in successfully advancing into executive roles because that is so needed in the corporate space. And so if those are things that are important to you, that are on your mind, you are in the right place and you will probably very much enjoy this show, or at least I hope so. And if you've been a longtime listener, I am so happy that you're still here over 200 episodes in Welcome. I so appreciate you. So today we're talking about a topic that I literally feel like I could talk about for hours and hours and hours and days and weeks and months and years. This topic is so rich. I struggled with this so much when I was, especially in the early years of my corporate career, and it is so wildly important. And that is the topic of assertiveness. Now, I'll preface this by saying that assertiveness comes up a lot in my coaching work. So as a coach, I work both with my clients one-on-one, and I also work with my clients in my group program inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, and both in my one-on-one work and particularly also inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, assertiveness is a huge, huge area of focus and something that I spend quite a lot of time helping my clients get more effective at. And what I found working with so many different women to help them find an assertive voice that feels authentic and powerful, but in a good way, and that makes them feel like they're being very effective and makes them feel like a leader in the meeting room. What I have found is that many people have very different definitions of what the word assertiveness means. And I thought it might be really helpful to share those with you so that you can reflect and explore on what your definition of assertiveness is, and also so that as a podcast community, we can have a shared understanding of what this word even means. And so 
I want to start by laying out what I think of as the assertiveness spectrum. I really think of assertiveness as existing along a spectrum from easy to more advanced. As you move up the spectrum, the type of assertiveness that we're talking about tends to get more challenging, and it can be interesting for you to reflect on where you land on the spectrum. So I'm going to lay out the polar opposites of the spectrum, like the extreme ends of the spectrum, and you can start to reflect on where on the spectrum you land in particular. So at the easy end of the spectrum, the beginning of the spectrum is what I think of as foundational assertiveness. Foundational assertiveness, my definition of that is simply having a point of view, having a perspective having an opinion and sharing it with the people around you. So literally asserting your point of view. And what I want to point out is that this might sound really basic and simple, but it's not. For you to have a point of view and to express it and to assert yourself, a lot of things need to be happening and lining up. And I'm going to walk you through these because I think walking you through these will help you better understand yourself and understand why it is so hard for you sometimes to simply have a perspective and assert it. So here are all the things that have to line up for you to do this. Number one, you have to be in touch with your own opinions and perspectives This is not always an easy thing to do. There are so many reasons why you might not be in touch with what your opinion or what your perspective even is. There are lots of things that come up with my clients and lots of things that I see get in the way, but a couple big ones are, number one is what I call like teacher's pet syndrome or good girl syndrome. And I see this so often It's this mentality that you might have where you just like want to do a good job and want to get the project done and want to say yes and want to meet the deadline and want to give your boss exactly what they asked for. And you want to be the teacher's pet, right? Like you want to be doing everything really, really well. And what I see so often when people have a heavy teacher's pet mentality is that they tend to feel most comfortable and competent being reactive and responsive. So if you've kind of built your sense of competence and confidence by being that teacher's pet who always says yes and always meets the deadline, you probably feel most comfortable when someone says, go do this, and you're like, yep, I will go do that. I will go crank it out. That feels good to you. Like That feels like a place where you can really, really shine. The problem is that that way of working requires you to receive a direction or a perspective or an assignment or an opinion from someone outside of you so that you can respond to it and go and do the work and go and make it happen. And when you habitually are doing that and you're in that teacher's pet cycle, you aren't often asking yourself, what you think the best approach is, what you think the deadline should be, what you think the next piece of work should be, what you think the best way to do the project is, because you feel so comfortable being told and then going into high-level, high-quality execution. 
and you might be doing really wonderful execution and you being in teacher's pet mode might be creating a lot of value for your boss and your company. This is why this can get so dangerous in your career because when you're in teacher's pet mode, you add a lot of value for your company, but you add a lot of value at a more individual contributor level. When you're just showing yourself to be a teacher's pet type of executor, no one ever is gonna tell you that your work isn't good, but no one's gonna push you really fast to get promoted either because you're not demonstrating any leadership, right? You're just demonstrating that you're amazing at execution. This is nuanced, right? There's nothing wrong with being amazing at execution. It's just that if you're only executing and people only see you being that teacher's pet, executing, meeting the deadline, getting the thing done, they're not gonna really know, hmm, can she handle the more uncertain type of work? Can she handle more of the ambiguity? Can she handle more of the politics? Can she handle more of the sticky stuff? Can she handle more of the uncertain stuff? We know she can execute and drive this across the finish line, but can she step into the leadership role? So that's just a little sidebar on teacher's pet mode, and I share that because I see it so much with my clients. But another side effect of teacher's pet mode is that because you get in this cycle of being responsive, meeting the deadlines, getting the high five, getting the kudos, you aren't actively developing your internal muscle of knowing your point of view and expressing your point of view to others. Because when you feel really comfortable receiving someone else's point of view and then just executing based on that, you don't practice going inward and asking yourself, What do I think? What is my opinion? And by the way, I say teacher's pet like without judgment. This is a judgment-free zone, this podcast. Like we all do this. I've done these things. Like we're all imperfect, messy humans on this journey. So please don't be judging yourself. Please know that there is zero judgment coming from me, like negative percent judgment coming from me. Um, as we explore this, I just find the phrase teacher's pet really useful because when I share it with my clients, something clicks in their mind and they're like, oh my gosh, I can see myself in that word. I can see that I'm doing that, right? So anyway, what is challenging about teacher's pet mode is you don't often develop your own perspective because you don't actually have to have a strong perspective or opinion to execute on someone else's objective because they've already chosen the objective. So for you to execute, you don't need to be super assertive. Like they're the ones being assertive and it's probably your boss or superior. They're the ones saying, hey, this is what needs to get done and this is how we're gonna do it. And then for you to go off and do it, you don't really have to stop and be like, what is my opinion in order to do it really well? You just have to crank it out for them. And so this is why step one on the assertiveness spectrum, knowing your opinion can be hard. And listen, I think as women, we are prone to falling into teacher's pet because we're we are socialized to be caretakers. We are socialized to serve people. We are socialized to say yes to people. We are socialized to figure out what people want and to give it to them. That's like literally the role of like a maternal figure, right? (laughs) It's like figure out what the infant wants and give it to them. And so it's no surprise then that I think in society, 
there's a lot of of that conditioning echoed as well, which is like as women, it's our job to figure out what people want and give it to them. And we don't need to have an opinion. Keep quiet. Keep to yourself. And so what I want to acknowledge is that like social and cultural conditioning definitely, definitely pushes us into teacher's pet mentality. And so that is one of the things that gets in the way of having a perspective. I'm realizing how much I have to say in this podcast episode, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this has already gone many layers deeper than I anticipated, but let's just go on a ride together and see where it goes. The other thing that gets in the way of even knowing what your perspective is, what your opinion is, so that you can assert it, is not seeing yourself as a leader. This is so important. This is something that I just like, I hammer this over and over inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. This comes up over and over in my one-on-one client work. Like I cannot stop talking about this because it's so important. You're not just hired at your job to be like a body who goes in and executes. Like you're hired because you're smart. You're hired because you are insightful and observant. (laughs) Like you are in your job because you have such powerful capabilities that go so far beyond just being a teacher's pet and executing. But you might not see that in yourself and you might not see yourself as a leader. And you might not see yourself in a positive enough light to even recognize that like you could be a leader and that you could have a very useful opinion that really benefits your boss and your company. I think when you are not in touch with what your opinion and perspective is, it partly comes from this belief that your opinion and perspective isn't that useful, isn't that interesting. Your boss knows more than you. And so you don't see yourself as a leader. You don't see your intellect as valuable. You don't see your potential contributions as being important and valuable. And when you don't think that your perspective and opinions are important, valuable, high quality, good, useful, you're not going to generate them. Whereas like, if you knew, if you knew that your perspective would help, and it would be valuable to your boss, to your company, your mind would start offering you perspectives. You would start to be like, well, here's how I think we should do it if you genuinely, genuinely believed that that would help. I'm trying to think of an example of this. It's sort of like if a stranger stops you um, on the street and they're like, I'm lost, I'm a tourist, I don't know where to go, and you don't think that you're good at directions, you're not going to try to help them because you're just going to be like, oh, sorry, like I'm I'm not good at figuring out maps or like I don't know where you're going or whatever. But if you believe that you could like help them and figure it out, you would stop and be like, hey, show me your map. Where are you going? Like, what do you like? What do you need? And then you would work on it with them and try to figure it out with them even if you didn't have the answer right away because you believe you can help them. You believe in your own ability to help them. And so it drives you to develop your perspective, right? It drives you to really think about it. It's sort of like when someone asks you your opinion, this is a better example. Someone says, hey, what's your opinion on this? And it's someone you respect and you feel so honored that they asked you your opinion and you're like, oh my God, like, thank you for asking my opinion. And you feel so like valued 
that all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, like, let me think about this. What is my opinion? And you're like, here's my opinion. Here's what I think, because you're your confidence has been boosted by them caring about your opinion that suddenly you're like, oh, I do have an opinion. It's kind of like that. It's like when you have that confidence in yourself and you have that belief in yourself that you can help someone, then it helps you develop your own perspective. And so if you're at this place with assertiveness where you're not often even clear on What is your perspective? What is your opinion? What do you think should be done next? What do you think is the best direction? What do you think the answer is? If you're not at a place where those questions feel natural to answer, it could be (laughs) that either you're stuck in a cycle of teacher's pet and that muscle is just not being exercised that much in your job, or that you don't trust yourself, see yourself as enough of a leader to actually have an opinion that's really damn useful to the people around you Or it could be a combination of both, right? But the first thing that has to happen for you to assert a perspective is you have to have one. And I just want to point out to you that having one isn't the easiest thing, right? That there are a lot of reasons that I just explained to you why you might not have a perspective right away. And none of those reasons are because something is wrong with you. They're all just reasons that reflect that this is an area where you have additional growth ahead of you in terms of your leadership and in terms of your self-confidence. And as you grow both of those things, it'll be easier to identify what your perspective is. (laughs) So that's the first thing that has to happen for you to assert a perspective is you have to have one. Now, here's the second thing that has to happen for you to assert your perspective, and this is huge, and this is probably at play if you sometimes have a perspective or an opinion or a thought, but you don't share it. So we are one step past that first step of like even having an opinion or a thought, and we're on to the second step where you have an opinion, you have a thought, you have a perspective, but you're not sharing it. That's actually great because we're one step ahead. Having a perspective means you're mentally engaged enough in your work. You're not 100% in teacher's pet mode. You are seeing yourself as a bit of a leader because you are developing a perspective. Now, the reason that you're not sharing it usually comes down to a couple of things, probably a combination of both. The first is, this is so, so important. The first is not trusting your own judgment. Often, when you have a perspective but you don't share it, it's a self-trust issue. It's an issue of trusting your judgment. And the reason that trusting your judgment plays such a prominent role in asserting your perspectives and sharing them with people is because in a professional setting, A lot of the topics that you are probably having opinions about and working on don't always have like these very straightforward scientific answers. It's not like a math equation at work where there's one answer. And so when you have an opinion or a perspective, it's not like you can do what we did in math class in algebra where you know how you could like you could solve for X, right? You solve the algebra equation and you're like, okay, X equals two. And then you would go back and you would plug two into the equation to make sure you got it right. So once you figure out that X equals two, 
you could go back and you could make sure that x does equal 2. And if you were wrong and you plug 2 into the equation, you would figure out, oh, it was not 2, it was something else. And you could go back and redo it, find the right answer, and know that you're right. But when we come up with the quote-unquote answer at work, it doesn't work that way. We can't plug our answer into the algebra equation to make sure it's right. That's why we need a lot more self-trust and the ability to trust our judgment because it's not mathematical. So there is no algebra equation or methodology that is going to help us verify the quality of our opinion or our direction or our suggestion. We need to verify it internally within our own mind, which means we need to apply the lens of our judgment and decide if we think that it makes sense and we have to trust that. I have found that for many of my clients, that is a mental muscle that they haven't quite worked all that much. It's a muscle that needs lots of flexing because it truly is a muscle where the more you do it, the more comfortable you get trusting your judgment. But if you haven't at all been practicing doing that, it feels terrifying to share an idea out with the world because it feels like it could be totally, totally off. And it's not because it actually could be totally off. It's just because of the trusting your judgment muscle, right? It's just because you haven't developed and strengthened that mental ability to say, okay, I, I know I can't verify if this is right 100%, but like, what do I think of it? Like, do I think it passes the sniff test? Like, do I think it makes sense? Like, you haven't gone through that mentally enough times that you feel comfortable throwing your perspective out there. So that's the first reason why you might have a perspective, but struggle to share it, is that your judgment, your trust with yourself hasn't been strengthened as much as it could be so that you feel empowered to share those things. The other piece, this is so important, this is so hard, this is like such a human struggle, but the other piece that comes up when you have an opinion but you're not sharing it is the fear of what it's going to be like to put that idea out in the world and let other humans react to it. I really wanna slow down and emphasize how difficult this is. And I want to normalize how difficult and vulnerable it is to put an opinion out in the world for people around you to have thoughts about, to react to. Anytime we put an opinion, a thought, anything out in the world, we are opening ourselves up to people's thoughts, people's judgments, people's reactions. And the fear of judgment can be paralyzing and debilitating. And now, I personally think that when it comes to the fear of judgment, I think a lot of coaches like really get this wrong and really do not handle this in a way that resonates with me. And I don't, I'm not saying this to insult anyone, just saying this to share my perspective because I think my perspective might help you a lot. A lot of times in the world of like self-help and self-improvement and professional development, when the topic of the fear of judgment comes up, a lot of the common wisdom out there is like, 
No one's judging you. Like, don't be afraid of people's judgments. Just say the thing. And I think that this bypasses a really important element of the human experience, which is that the truth is, like, maybe people aren't judging us as harshly as we're judging ourselves, but us having thoughts about other people is real. (laughs) Like, we are humans. We have thoughts about other people's work. We have negative thoughts. We have positive thoughts. And for the most part, people probably think your work is way better than you think it is. But I also just want to acknowledge that when we share an idea or a thought, we're sharing it with other humans. We're putting it out there. We're taking a risk. We're making ourselves vulnerable. Maybe nine people in the room think it's amazing. And there might be one person in the room who's like, that's the worst idea ever. First of all, if that happens, it doesn't mean your idea is bad, but also it's totally okay to feel terrified of that. Like, I think this is a very normal human thing for us to want everyone to like everything that we put out there. And I think in the end of the day, even though most people are going to love most of what you put out, it's very, very normal for humans to have different opinions and different perspectives. And when you put your ideas and perspectives out, like... There will be probably a small, tiny sliver minority of people who don't think it's a good idea or don't like it. And I just want to normalize that that is hard. And I also want to normalize like that that should be happening. Like you don't only want to be sharing things that everyone likes. You want to be sharing what you actually think is the best answer. And if you're consistently sharing what you actually think is the best answer, You will run up against people who disagree with you in your career for sure. That means you're doing it right. That means you're being a leader. That means you're having a perspective and not just being vanilla and agreeing with everyone. So what I'm trying to say is that like, yes, most people aren't judging you as harshly as you're judging yourself. Like, yes, it'd be great if you don't have the fear of judgment. But like, let's come to the real world where we're humans and we have different opinions and not everyone likes everything that every single person says. So if we're scared, if you're scared in a meeting of sharing something and someone else judging it, you should be scared. That makes so much sense, right? Like that fear is normal. And as humans, we can't just stop caring about what other people think. We can't just stop being afraid of judgment from the outside world because (laughs) we are biologically wired to avoid being judged by groups so that we can belong in communities. Because when we were cave ladies and cave bitches, (laughs) I love that word, cave bitches, we needed to be part of the community to survive. So if someone tells you, like, just stop being afraid of judgment, they're, like, telling you to go against, like, your deep, like, biologically driven internal hardwiring in your brain. And, like, that's probably not going to work. And so... I say this because I think sometimes when people are like, no one's judging you, don't worry about people's judgments. If someone says that to you and you're like, I'm still feeling judged and I'm still feeling worried and that didn't help, nothing is wrong with you. This is a totally normal part of the human experience. I want to offer a different perspective, which is that to be a leader means being willing to face that. So I'm not saying that being judged is easy. And I'm not saying that you can just stop being afraid of being judged. And I'm not saying that you'll get to a point where everyone loves every idea you ever share. But what I am saying is that part of being a leader is actually being willing to step into the discomfort 
of being more vocal and being a part of the conversation, knowing that it's going to stir up emotions, knowing that it's going to activate that fear of being judged. And what you will find is, while that is incredibly challenging to do, easier said than done, absolutely, you will also find that the more you do it, the more brave and resilient you become. And so this is truly truly like lifting a painful heavy weight or doing something really challenging in the gym where it's always hard. It's never going to be easy. But when you do it a lot and you build the muscles and you have the practice, it's like you don't have that intense soreness and you don't need to take like a week off or a seven hour nap because you just went to the gym for the first time in four months, right? Like you begin to be able to bounce back and come back from these vulnerable moments in meetings where you're putting out ideas and putting out perspectives. And over time, it might not feel as big and scary as it might feel in this very moment to share your opinions and put your perspectives out there and assert yourself. And in that process, make yourself vulnerable and open to other people's judgments. And so it is both not trusting your own judgment, right, your own discernment, it's a self-trust issue, and or the fear of other people judging you that prevents you from sharing the idea, asserting the idea and perspective that you have and sharing that with the people around you, typically in a meeting, right? So to recap, we've covered the first phase on the assertiveness spectrum, which is having an opinion. And some of the reasons you might not even have an opinion or know your your opinion is because either you're stuck in a teacher's pet mentality or because you don't see yourself as being a leader, you don't see your opinion as actually valuable, actually something that could really help, and so you naturally don't develop an opinion. Or you might have an opinion but not actually be asserting it, which is great because you're one step along the spectrum. And often what's getting in the way of you asserting your opinion is you haven't developed that self-trust to know that what you're sharing meets your standards of quality so that you feel like you want to share it with the world. And also that you are still building your ability to make yourself vulnerable and expose yourself to the potential judgment of other humans, which, like I said, is not an easy feat. So those are two steps on the assertiveness spectrum. Now, if we move one step beyond, that would be having an opinion and asserting it. So let's recap and let's call the first step step zero. Step zero is you don't have an opinion. Step one is you have an opinion, but you don't share it. Step two is you have an opinion and you share it. Beautiful. Celebrating you. Celebrate yourself every time you do this. and. There is more beyond step two. So step zero, one, and two are getting you from the point where you have no opinion and you are slowly developing your opinion and then learning to share it. I call steps zero through two foundational assertiveness. Those are the foundations, right? Is identifying your opinion and building the courage and the bravery to share it with the people around you. That is foundational assertiveness. Steps three and four are what I call advanced assertiveness. Advanced assertiveness goes a step beyond step two. So in advanced assertiveness, not only do you have an opinion, 
And not only are you sharing it, but you are sharing it among challenging or unfavorable or non-ideal conditions such as tension and disagreement and conflict and debate. And the reason I'm like laughing and chuckling is just because as humans, we're so funny when we disagree, we act really weird, we get all emotional, like, and it just makes communication harder and it makes assertiveness harder when suddenly we've gone from a situation where we're all on the same page and we're just, you're just asserting your opinion in the meeting to like all of a sudden a situation where there's disagreement. So level three of assertiveness is you have an opinion and you share it knowing that your opinion is in direct opposition to an opinion that has already been vocalized or expressed in the room. So the difference between step two and step three is in step two, you have an opinion and you're sharing it. But in step three, you're doing those same actions, but typically after you've heard someone express an opposite opinion. So you are expressing your opinion knowing that you are disagreeing. This can be very, very, very difficult because this requires much more courage, much more leadership, and a much more sophisticated communication toolkit to do this in a way that doesn't alienate your audience. That is step three on the assertiveness scale. Now, if you're already at step two, you have opinions, you're asserting them, but you're having troubles getting to step three, where you assert your opinion knowing that you are going to be disagreeing with someone who has already vocalized their perspective. Typically, there are also a couple of reasons why you might not be doing this. Number one is something, again, that I see in so many of my clients, which is this automatic deferring to the opinions of superiors. So you might notice that you have a mental habit of if someone who is in a position of authority over you, like your boss or a leader at your company, expresses their opinion and your opinion is different, you just automatically assume they're right and you're wrong. You assume they know more than you, they're smarter than you, right? Like they have knowledge that you must be lacking. So as soon as they share their opinion, you're like, oh, my opinion is definitely wrong and you decide not to share it. And so you'll never in that case make it from step two to step three if you're assuming that your boss always knows more than you, right? Because then anytime you disagree, you'll be like, oh, I must be wrong. I'm just not going to share my opinion. So that's one thing that gets in the way of step three. And what's so important, and I'm going to do an entire episode just on this, what's so important to understand is your boss doesn't necessarily know more than you. And just because a superior disagrees with you doesn't necessarily mean they're right and you're wrong. Sometimes you're right and they're wrong. So this is really important. It's so important to become aware if you have that belief because it could be preventing you from adding value for your company. But the other reason that people don't share it is because they're scared. You might be scared that it's going to rock the boat. You might be scared that it is going to, you know, piss off your manager. You might be scared that people are going to think you're a bitch or that you have sharp elbows. And it might feel so scary that you would rather just not share it. So you might be in a situation where you know you're right. Like you literally are certain 
that your opinion is right, but you don't share it because you're scared that it might have unintended, unfavorable consequences. Okay, so that's step three. And step four is on the assertiveness scale is just an amplified version of step three, where you're dealing with a very difficult, challenging, highly opinionated stakeholder. So there's a difference between disagreeing with someone and having a highly difficult stakeholder. A highly difficult stakeholder is someone who's very opinionated, possibly emotional, angry, frustrated, upset, resistant, defiant. It could be so many different things. But level four of the assertiveness scale is not only do you have an opinion, and not only does that opinion go against someone else's opinion in the room, but the person whose opinion your opinion goes against is highly a highly difficult and highly defiant stakeholder. This is the hardest, hardest version of assertiveness. This is one of the most difficult communication challenges you will face, and it is also one of the most valuable skills that you can bring to your role, because if you can handle that, you can handle anything, right? Like if you can wade through those sticky meetings and those disagreements with grace and collaborativeness and respect and effectiveness, then you become so wildly valuable to your company. So to recap, step zero is you don't know your opinion. (laughs) Step one is you know your opinion, but you don't share it. Step two is you know your opinion and you do share it. Step three is you know your opinion and you do share it even though someone disagrees. And step four is you know your opinion, you share it even though someone disagrees and that person is a challenging stakeholder, they're resistant, they're defiant, they're frustrated, etc. Now, (laughs) the reason that I want to lay out this spectrum is because I want to deep dive with you into the different parts of this spectrum to help you grow your assertiveness muscle. Since I am almost at 40 minutes for this episode, I'm going to save that either for a part two, most likely a part two, or a separate episode here, because I want to deep dive into phase three, which is expressing your opinion when you know that someone disagrees with you, because there are so many thought errors and limiting beliefs that I see come up with my clients that that has them not showing up in powerful leadership and not disagreeing when their opinion could really help move the needle forward and help create value for the entire company. And so I'm going to be deep diving into this framework in probably the episode after this one and probably more throughout the podcast because this is so important and it's also just so important when you think about, okay, I want to be more assertive, you really want to think about where you are on the spectrum from zero to four because depending on where you are and what you're primarily focused on and working on, your focus will be different, right? So the thing that you're going to be working on is very different if you're at step zero versus if you're at step three or you're at step two. So it's really important when you're thinking, okay, I want to grow my assertiveness muscle to figure out what step am I at on a scale of zero (laughs) to four and based on what step I'm at, what should I be working on? You might be thinking, (laughs) Jess, That was a lot of steps. It is very useful, 
but I want to make sure I retain everything that you shared in this episode so I can remember the steps and figure out what step I'm on and focus on my appropriate next step so that I can grow my assertiveness muscle. If you want it to be more digestible, I have a visual diagram and worksheet that goes with this episode where you can look at it, you can identify exactly what step you are on, and on that sheet, I also will prescribe to you what you should focus on, what is the single thing you should focus on to help move yourself to the next step. If you want to get a copy of that sheet so that you can remember everything I shared in here, so that you can apply it, and so that you can powerfully grow your assertiveness muscles, so that you can have a strong leadership presence in meetings, head to my website. I'm going to put it on my free resources page. That's justguzzitcoaching.com slash free resources. And next week, we're going to go much deeper into this. So I am excited to continue walking you through this and getting deeper into this because finding an assertive voice is going to have such an enormous positive impact in your career development and in helping you grow your confidence. All right, I'm going to sign off for now. I hope that you have such a beautiful day and I will catch you in part two of the assertiveness episode. Bye.